Hey there, everybody, and welcome to Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius, for what is going to be a very special episode of the Cinema Drip Podcast. We're going to be looking at an extremely important film in the lives of many a young nerd, Scott Lentz included, and that film is, of course, none other than M. Night Shyamalan's disastrous adaptation of The Last Airbender. Christian, I am curious how you were feeling going into the watching of the movie. I can't recall if you had seen it before, if you had any connection to the TV show it is based on, so I'm curious. All right, Scott. Um, I have seen this movie before, and it took me like four days to get through. That's a lot of time for a very short movie. It's an hour and 36 minutes. I do not like this film. I did not think that upon revisiting it, I would like it. And I was correct. <laughs> Christian, I thought about... <laughs> We're not really going to have a formal review here on this episode like we do normally this is definitely more of a bonus episode feel like it would be if we were doing a top five or something like that and i really did you know if we were going to do a traditional review i was going to ask you i see that you've given this film one star on letterboxd has your review rating gone up or gone down or stayed the same and i'm curious if you're gonna leave it at one star if you see just enough to spare it from the dumpster or are you gonna dock it to that full half star I'm going to dock this movie to half a star. Honestly, I shouldn't give it a rating. <laughs> Just a full a full zero out of five? Well, do you think it deserves more? <laughs> you know, I think there's enough to get at that half star, Christian. <laughs> there's occasional moments where you say, I see the vision. There it is. <laughs> and we're back back to the uh, the travesty that The Last Airbender is. So, um, quick. I... I, I, I... I had to text you. You did. Because I had to ask you, are we taking this movie... You, you said we're not taking this movie seriously. Well, not taking it seriously might might be the wrong way of saying it. Rather, we're not taking this discussion particularly seriously. Because, unfortunately, this is not a very good film. Very few people have positive reviews of it, let alone overwhelming positive praise. There's not really a cult following for The Last Airbender. It's pretty widely derided. So... And it's a movie that, over time, has not developed a cult following. None, none in the slightest. And I think a big problem there, of course, is that some of the angriest people about this movie were the core fan base. The young people who were going to see the movie because they loved the TV show. And I know for me, I saw this in theaters with a friend. And we were so excited because we had been watching the show. And the movie was so bad <laughs> and at, at a tender age of 13 or however i was when i saw this i could recognize that and was dismayed at the major changes they made to the show and annoyed at some of the minor changes and honestly i i can't really remember much from it i just remember how i felt and feeling so frustrated <laughs> leaving the theater and disappointed which happened then, from time to time because you, there were adaptations of stuff we loved as kids happening. Like the Percy Jackson movie was a big disappointment for those me. Those are also awful. Yes. Of course, there were some good adaptations. Movies like The Hunger Games were pretty beloved. Harry Potter, obviously. But Last Airbender does fall into the camp of bad adaptations. Okay. Then, then 
I think that there are some obvious things. On it, honestly, this is you, you. You chose this topic, and you, I think I also asked you to choose it. Yes, you did. You were sort of hoping I would for some reason. And okay, do 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 we need do we need to have a format? Do we need to do anything? Can we just talk about? Can, okay, Christian, we're, we're just going to talk about this movie. <laughs> You're what? Okay. Everyone's pissed on this movie. Every Everyone has. Person. And we're going to Every do some person. of that as well ourselves. Just some quick, the, the normal kind of background information that we provide. In the off chance that folks have not seen this movie, don't know anything about it, or maybe saw it when they were young like I was and you were, but don't remember much from it. So, came out in 2010. The show, uh, first season of the show was airing in 2008. So, a couple of years from a remove from the first season of the show, and the movie does adapt the first season of Avatar The Last Airbender. Notably, they had to drop Avatar from the title because James Cameron's Avatar came out in 2009 and was literally the biggest movie of all time. So we needed to avoid any confusion for someone just walking into the theater and looking for something to watch with their kids. Of course, it follows the adventures of Katara, Sokka, and Aang as they try to save the world, really. Aang is what's known as the Avatar. He's a master of the four... He can train to be a master of the four elements, air, water, fire, and earth. And Katara and Sokka find him, help him become unfrozen. After many years lost at sea, he was frozen away. And he is coming into a new world where the Fire Nation has taken over the world. They are oppressing other peoples and waging a war, trying to truly become you know, a dominant government all over the world and so Aang has to recover and, and learn and build out his powers and they have to stay safe from the Fire Nation, most notably Prince Zuko, the outcast prince who is chasing the Avatar, hoping to return him to his father who is the, the Lord of the Fire Nation. And it cast Noah Ringer, who is a newcomer, as Aang, uh, while also casting Def Patel in the role of Zuko, Nicola Peltz as Katara, and Jackson Rathbone as Sokka. Uh, plenty of other actors here that you may recognize, character actors or people who have had long careers uh, who we might bring up uh, occasionally as we get into just talking about this movie as well. Strangely enough, it was kind of a financial success. It made over $319 million at the global box office. But such which... a critical failure Yes, that Paramount canceled the planned second and third entries in this original trilogy. Yes, they sure did. So, Which is not something you normally see. Well, the, the thing is, the reviews were so bad. And the reviews from the core fan base were so bad. And the money that it made, it, it probably wasn't a very profitable movie. Because it made back the production budget, but the marketing costs had to be super high. And so, they probably, what they made back, if anything, was not that much. So... Very small financial success, even though if you look it up on Wikipedia, it's made twice the budget. And terrible reviews means the planned trilogy was canceled, and the show continued just fine, obviously. It still has a core fan base. There was a sequel series that came out a few years later, and now there are more Avatar projects in the works, which are going to be released by Netflix and Nickelodeon and other folks. So Avatar itself was fine, but the movie was a failure. <laughs> and M. Night Shyamalan is also in the middle of a, of a disastrous downturn in his career. Of course, we're talking about this movie in the context of his career, and we looked at his most recent movie, as well as some of his earlier films, but he's in a period of time here where he's basically making critically reviled films that are not always financially successful. 
the last airbender came right after the happening no. <laughs> a film that we have referenced multiple what times a great double feature <laughs> yeah. uh yes not a very good movie in and of itself the happening was preceded by lady in the water which for many people is the first truly bad film in his filmography i've not seen it I know some people okay. didn't like the village, but, but it's under some like signs, people but... will still defend Lady in the Water. Yes, and some people will defend to some extent the happening. <laughs> no one's no one comes for the last Airbender, and after this, of course, we have After Earth, the uh, another unfortunately pretty poorly received science fiction movie with will and jaden smith around the time that will was trying to make jaden a thing and Shyamalan would eventually rebound with 2015's the visit which was a very low budget and very financially and critically successful horror movie that would get him back in people's good graces so the last airbender is one of just the centerpieces of this run in his career a truly massive failure despite the relatively good box office numbers so christian i, I i've been talking at length about some of the details here i want to turn it over to you now because i think where i want to sort of talk about this movie is just how it poorly relates and adapts poorly relates to and adapts the original series Uh, but i'm curious for you do you have any relationship to the series before we get into this i have seen all of the original series i think about the time when it was airing i think that i saw the ending when the ending aired gotcha um What else did I see? I've seen like the first season and half the second season of Legend of Korra. I'm I'm familiar with the characters in the world. Gotcha. I I don't think I watched the whole series when the show was happening live. I I definitely watched the full first season. Then I fell off at some point. But I did go back and rewatch the series in full during COVID. Uh, I'm I'm not sure if it was during 2020 in lockdown or if it was in 2021, just still kind of laying low and and picking your spots as it pertained to social engagements. But I have recently rewatched the show. And obviously, I came to this sort of hoping to have a a silly, fun time, a movie that is bad, you can laugh at it, but... I think the only way that that could happen is if you do it with other people, especially people who like the show, but <laughs> with other people and maybe with some adult beverages and tasty snacks, because <laughs> watching this by myself was pretty... It's not a good time. <laughs> pretty bad way to spend a night, I will we say. We should have watched it together. We should have? We should have. That's true. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll make sure. I'll make sure. Live production meeting. We'll watch Dragon Ball Evolution at some point this year. Oh, good grief. I hope that never happens we, to me, Christian. I don't, I don't have any connection to Dragon Ball. <laughs> oh, then, then, then that movie's <laughs> going to be perfect. So, okay, Christian, I want to turn it over to you. There is obviously a lot that went wrong with this movie, and there's plenty of points where we could begin. But I'm just curious for you, what would you say is the biggest sin of this movie, in your opinion? Like, what's the worst, <laughs> the worst part of it for you? Oh, man. I mean, the action is just so terrible. <laughs> the action scenes are also, I mean, so, someone did say that. I, I heard someone say this today. I, I was looking up other reviews, quote unquote, serious reviews about The Last Airbender. And someone's like, you know, this movie would have been way better if people had just pronounced his name Aang. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so true. One of they, the they most say, annoying things about Aang. this movie. They changed the pronunciation of so many names of things. Like, Soka? Yes. He's called Ang in the show, which, of course, is Ero? still happening at the time this movie comes out, and they call him Ong. 
Sokka is a character who's called Soka in the movie. Even Aang's title, people repeatedly refer to him as the Avatar. Avatar. <laughs> Avatar isn't even the proper pronounce in the English language. There's There was also an, a little aside uh, where... <laughs> During a scene, a very dumb scene, where Prince Zuko is hiding out and he asks a random young child to describe his own backstory to him in one of the lamer expository scenes of this movie. And the child references an Agni Key, which is this firebending duel. And even even that in the show is called the Agni Kai. And it's spelled K-A-I. That is pronounced Kai every time and it just it just blows my mind why they were changing how some of these words sounded it makes no sense (laughs) okay i i want kind of want to play a game which is just one oscar who gets it (laughs) (laughs) it's so hard just one oscar who gets it (laughs) i i think that i think that there's actually an answer so I, the the I premise can't... being that we're allowed to go back in time and award an Oscar at the that whatever ceremony this would have been eligible for to somebody. I, I think it should be Asif Manvi, Manvi for Admiral Zhao. <laughs> but like, <laughs> oh my, uh, Asif it's, Manvi it's is definitely yes, yeah, he's definitely one of those faces that you will recognize if you watch this movie. He's been in a lot of different things. A lot of different TV shows as well, and he is one of the only actors here really giving a, 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 a get, whose performance gets a passing grade. And what's hard about this movie is that young people are so front and center. Noah Ringer was very young when he was acting in this giant movie for his very first ever acting performance. He was he was a a kid who was a martial arts uh, student, and he was discovered for the movie, and. So many of the people performing, of course, are young, and you don't want to rip on these child actors for... They're not children anymore. Yeah, I mean, they're not children anymore, but at the time, you know, they're, they're being... A lot is being asked of them, and it's just it's just not very classy to rip on child actors a little bit unnecessarily. But even so, the acting is... It leaves you wanting throughout the movie, even from someone who has become a good actor, like Dev Patel. Dev Patel himself Dev Patel was in... Dev two registers in this movie he does he has no emotion or anger yes very loud very obnoxious anger and he was in slumdog millionaire which won the best picture prize at the academy awards he's the year before this movie came out as what he's an academy award nominee i think for lion yeah and he of course now has received the nomination of his own but it is telling when you look at some of the careers of others notably nicola peltz who plays katara here she appeared in Transformers movies after this, which are not good. I've I've seen one of the two that she's in, and it's very very bad. And she her own career has slowly persisted, and she she has appeared in more things since then. But she's not considered to be a very good actor. And pretty much every every time she comes up, <laughs> most people are talking about how she is not a very good actor. And Jackson Rathbone, who not only was it's like the fourth. No, it's like the eighth lead in Twilight. Yes, he's in the Twilight movies, which are happening concurrent to this movie. So he was going to be in arguably the biggest franchise of that time period. He's in the <laughs> Twilight movies. And then he's going to be in this big temple franchise too. So he really had things going for him. But, of course, this catastrophe happened. And if you look at his career after, he just 
falls off a cliff and he is not in any major Hollywood movies uh, after the Twilight series ends. He's been in plenty of movies since then, but they're all indie, direct-to-video, those types of movies. So sometimes, you know, you can go back to bad movies like this and you can see the beginnings of people's careers, people who would go on to do better things. And Dev Patel, from the young side of things, he's really the only person here who went on to a career. Plenty of the adult actors are people who had done good things before and would go on to good things after, but it's a shame that the casting here just kind of missed the mark in almost every way. Okay, the... If, if I am to be serious for a second, the script just doesn't know what it wants this movie to be. It doesn't uh, it, know if it wants yeah. to be a kid's movie. It doesn't know if it wants to be like a serious examination, I don't know, of like pressure being placed on you at a young age. It doesn't know if it wants to be funny. I wrote this line down because I, I didn't know what was going on for it. They, they are in the Earth Kingdom. By the way, audience members, you guys have never seen the show and don't know what the Earth Kingdom is. Honestly, we don't either when it comes to this movie. It's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> it's the four nations of, of, of elemental people. So, and, and I don't, I, they see firebenders who have arrested an earthbender. And he goes, I don't know, anger someone and says, why? And they go, he was bending tiny stones at us from behind a tree. It really hurt. I wrote this down in my notes too. It's a mind-blowing moment. What? 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 Is 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 that supposed to be a joke? Because they're not funny. That that particular moment is the is the one of the only times just the tone of the show comes through, because the show is very lighthearted and it becomes yes. a lot more balanced as it. Uh, as it goes on because it really does delve into some heavy themes especially for a kids show because these are kids who are on the run trying to hide from a very oppressive government there's a war waging and there are people who are victims of that war whether they are being displaced from their homes or imprisoned or put to work and prince zuko himself has been cast out of the the kingdom he is from by his father who is the king of that nation and he's cast out with a wound like his father beats him in a duel burns his face and tells him to leave and there is some serious heaviness to the show and it is very well balanced with the kind of humor that you would expect in a kid show that's part of the reason it has so many fans it's a very sophisticated tone it balances things beautifully and that moment you're describing is one of the only lighthearted or comedic moments in the entire movie. Characters who, like Sokka in the original show, is sort of the goofy older brother who gets balanced out by becoming more intelligent and even tactical over time. He's He can't do the bending that other characters do, but he becomes you know, a very valuable contributor to their cause in his own right. And in the movie, he is just like this somber dour like teenager who is barely developed at all and, and, and it's so okay. strange i a couple of things one there things kind of just look off and i i looked over you know the fire nation outfits are ugly like <laughs> they 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 they're supposed to be uniforms but they look like they're all cosplaying at like firebenders. They, I don't know, like the red looks off. It doesn't look like these uniforms fit. 
it doesn't look like the masks fit. It doesn't look like any makeup was put on them. I think that they just told them to wake up and put this on and then get in the shot. Also, I, I normally never, I don't know, look specifically at extras, but maybe I was just so upset with everything that I started to look at extras. The, the extras aren't doing a good job. And I'm, I, I, that's, that's for sure, that's, that, that's like for sure a directing, a, a directing thing. But do, do you remember when they are eating, when, when, when General Zhao and like Prince Zuko are eating together and we look at all of the soldiers and all of the soldiers are, are, are confused or like look like they don't know what's going on. And I, I realized, I don't think anyone here has actually been told what to do. <laughs> I'll be honest, Christian. I had not enough time to pay attention to the cast in that scene because I was busy looking at Jackson Rathbone's IMDb trying to figure out where he's been all these years. <laughs> not a movie that really, really grabs your attention and refuses to let it go, unfortunately. Although I will say, that's one of the only scenes in the movie that properly communicates a sense of scale because you do see they're on this big warship and there's all these soldiers hidden away in this dining hall and until that point we've seen no more than like five people on screen at once <laughs> also okay they do not do a good job of conveying the scale of how awful the fire nation is absolutely not they're just like the government who's kind of mean for most of the movie <laughs> they're kind of mean they all look ugly and, and also, what's awful, and, and we should touch on this, all of the heroes are white and all of the Fire Nation individuals are some form of brown. Yes. And I say that because some are South, some, some are South Asian and some are just like immigrants who moved to like Britain. Right. It, it's the casting is not only offensive, but it's just poorly done. Like Dev Patel, who is British, but he's Indian. Indian heritage, British-born. His uncle, who's a character named Uncle Iroh, is played by an Iranian actor, Sean Toop, who people might recognize from the first Iron Man movie. He's the, the scientist, or the doctor, who keeps Tony Stark alive and helps him escape. And uh, Zuko's father, the Fire Lord, is played by the actor Cliff Curtis, who's a great actor, but he is a, a indigenous New Zealand uh, by heritage. And so <laughs> it's just... People who have uh, no ethnic connections, they just look darker skinned, like you were saying. They're all South Asian or, uh, you know, of some kind of Pacific descent. Meanwhile, in the Water Tribe, where Katara and Sokka come from, which is all of the, the, you know, the different nations are based on different groups of people in the real world. So in the show, the Water Tribe is portrayed as like the Inuit peoples who live in, you know, cold environments and are building igloos and things like that. And they're recast with white people. <laughs> and it was such a disappointing turn of events at the time. And this is movies coming out in 2010. It's before a lot of these conversations became even more foregrounded in pop culture. And they were happening at the time. I was just young and I wasn't really privy to them. I was barely on social media as it was. But even so, this is one of the one of the major examples of Hollywood blockbusters that do this poorly, because obviously there's great actors out there who could play the parts 
and be from the ethnicities that the show was kind of being inspired by and I don't know. It just, it's it's incredibly disappointing. Even critics at the time were complaining about this. Roger Ebert was... I, I saw a snippet of his review. He tore it to shreds for that reason. All right. So I've, I've listened to some podcasts. I've done some research. Let me tell you a little bit about what happened during this production. So originally, did you know that Jesse McCartney was going to play Prince Zuko? Good graciousness. <laughs> I saw that and almost lost my damn mind. It would have been so much funnier in retrospect if Jesse McCartney played Prince Zuko because Dev Patel, even if he's not giving a good performance here, is a real actor who's gone on to have a career. <laughs> I will say at that point, we've lost, we, we've, we've made it all white people. We might as well literally only cast white people. <laughs> Which would not have made this movie worse. I'm going to say that because we're not casting the non-white people well or like giving them a chance to shine. So let me, let me, let me say Jesse McCartney was going to play Zuko. He bows out. They cast Dev Patel for some reason and decide to make his family members, like, and, and the Fire Nation cast around him to have a similar ethnicity. But then it just becomes like the enemy is brown. Outside of that, they cast Katara. And, and, and this was like a leak that one of the cast members said. Nicola Peltz they cast because apparently her father's like a billionaire. Her father sh- sure is a billionaire. <laughs> He's a very, very rich person. And and so they cast her because they could get her dad to like fund some stuff. So it, yep. it, it, it <laughs> so they cast like Sokka, I'm so sorry, Soka yes, around Soka. that. And I think they actually cast because um, Noah... What was the Ringer? Noah Ringer, yeah. Because Noah Ringer actually, um, I don't know what Noah Ringer did. No, oh, Noah Ringer sent in an audition tape where he like showed off his Taekwondo skills, and yeah. they, and he shaved his head and painted a blue arrow, and they're like, okay, this guy's trying. Yeah, and what's so, you know what's what? funny and, is that his like friends called him Avatar. That was his nickname because he would shave his head and go to tournaments and stuff. So. This is when the show's coming out. He's right in that Target demo. He's, you know, 11 or 12, whatever, when the movie comes out. And all his friends are calling him Avatar after the show. It's it's one of those funny stories that were things to go differently with this movie. Could have been kind of great of like, hey, this kid was called Avatar and he became a big star because of the movie. But it's, yeah, it's it's just a shame. So they filmed like the water kingdom, temple, village parts in Iceland. Also, the final battle between like the, the the water tribe and the fire nation, it looks like there are no water tribe. It looks like there are no waterbenders there. Like none of them are attacking. It just feels like a full blown invasion of a peaceful people. And I don't know. I, I guess I noticed that, but also I realized that they had kind of run out of money, because after they filmed in Iceland, they had no money left because they needed to dedicate all of it to CGI. Therefore, what they did was they went back to they went back to philadelphia and they filmed in like a high school there and you know i, I guess like Dev patel is loyal he goes back to philadelphia when he doesn't know what to do but another he's... funny behind the scenes note because Shyamalan is from the, he's from pennsylvania and so many of his movies are set in and around philadelphia or or in pennsylvania 
And so obviously, Pennsylvania does not exist in the world <laughs> of Avatar The Last Airbender. So it's just funny that he convinced Paramount and Nickelodeon movies to shoot in Pennsylvania, of all places. I'm sure they shot in, in some studios out here in L.A. on sound stages, but just funny. Now, I don't even know where I was going with... Oh, okay, yeah. Yo, first of all, did you know that they never say the words Momo? Yeah, Momo is a little, uh, he's a little lemur monkey bat hybrid. Another little detail from the Avatar series is all of the animals in the world of the show are just two animals from the real world pushed together. <laughs> they would have mispronounced his name anyway. He would have been like Moo Moo or yeah, something. Yeah, Momo. Yeah, but yeah, they, they meet this little guy. <laughs> he's he's like a comic relief character. He, he can't talk or anything, but he's like this silly monkey pet he's throughout the show. there. And he's, he's, he's barely there in the movie. And they don't even say also, Momo. <laughs> yo, 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 what's going on with Appa's face? Appa, yes, Appa is, of course, a sky bison. He's frozen with Aang in, in the water and is unfrozen at the same time. And he allows Aang to fly around. And his face is extremely unsettling. Uh, I think if you looked at it for too long you would begin to sort of dream about it and enter a sort of psychotic state and the uncanny valley <laughs> certainly comes into play with with appa it looks like a child's nightmare that he like drew using it's it looks bad man it looks um okay. i will say not all of the cgi is poorly done it's not all terrible the movie doesn't look fantastic but it's not like it looks horrific and even some of the bending, which we barely touched on, but of course, the la one of the you know things we should mention about the world of the show is there are these benders who can use the element of their nation, so fire, earth, air, and water, and the avatar is the one who can use them all. And so the way that they often visualize the bending is poorly done, but there are moments that are kind of cool. Like there's a moment where Uncle Iroh conjures fire from his hands and he's standing and looking kind of awesome there's a moment where Zuko is dueling kind of training and sparring with some other Fire Nation soldiers and he's using a combination of martial arts and firebending and it, and it looks kind of cool but unfortunately in general just like everything else about this movie the effects are not very good haven't aged terribly but that's kind of a, the nicest thing it's... that I can say it's, okay, but the show relies so heavily on 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 bending that to make a live action adaptation, it feels like the bending and the martial arts that like propels the bending forward because each of the bending is based on a different form of martial arts are out of sync. It feels like the person is needing to make twenty moves for one thing of water to show up, or in the most infamous case here, you have like a, a thirty. 30 earthbenders doing a full-on earthbending routine dance for a little pebble to shoot out. Yes. there's a, That is a, an infamous clip of that movie. And it's one of the, I guess if we can sort of pivot into ways where it is just a poorly done adaptation of the show more specifically. That's one of the major losses is that there's so much detail in the world of the show where, like you said, each of these forms of bending is inspired by real-world martial arts. And you can tell when a person in the show is, is using a specific form of bending. Not just because you know the character or whatever, but because you can tell by the movements they are making, how flowing or angular their, their bodies are, 
how aggressive they're being or or how composed they're being and it's just a shame that it all kind of blends together and there's it doesn't seem to have a ton of intention it just sort of people do what look like martial arts moves and then bending happens and even ang himself he has this staff and he kind of just twirls his staff around a lot and then air happens <laughs> you know he's the last air bender okay the the maybe the water looks kind of cool the the earth i guess i don't care about that much there are times that when the water looks, looks kind of cool, but often there are times when the water just looks kind of wimpy <laughs> in comparison to the fire or whatever it's going up against. This, it feels like everyone gave up on this movie. Like, it doesn't even look like the people in this movie are having a good time. It also doesn't look like the director is trying to have this movie succeed. You know, it, it really does make me wonder where things fell off along the way because obviously Shyamalan was pitching this movie and he, want, he wanted to be attached to it. Because his daughter loved the show and introduced him to it. Yeah, and although he had primarily made original scripts and that's how he came up with The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, he would work with adaptations later and then he would use other people's story ideas later as well. But this is a big step for him, kind of stepping up to this big huge budget sci-fi summer block not sci-fi sorry but fantasy summer blockbuster and you can read up on it where after years later he just he hasn't fully disowned the movie but he's incredibly disappointed at how it how it happened Def Patel looks back and has said this was a huge kind of step like it was a learning moment in his career where he realized the power of saying no <laughs> and that <laughs> taking not not to take every big budget job that came his way and you really do wonder where things fell off for people. Because we sort of talked about some of the more specific parts of why this movie doesn't work. But just from a big picture, the acting is not good for most of the leading characters. The movie is missing scenes, it feels like. There's this constant narration that comes in where a character like Katara will describe something like how Sokka and the princess of this village they come to... Be, develop a quote-unquote friendship really quickly while the two of them are sort of making doe eyes at each other but we don't we just kind of see them flirting after that we don't see we don't even really see them meet each other and it there was no all stakes the, in this movie yeah and and there's no the, the themes are so poorly handled here because we can we barely pause to sit in anything the movie's moving along at a breakneck pace and i honestly think that if they had accepted the fact that this was a big summer blockbuster adapting, I did the math on this, adapting over seven and a half hours of television into one movie, this should have been something like two hours, two hours and ten minutes, you know? You don't have to include everything from the show, of course. You have to adapt it. But by cutting out so much of what makes the show works and trying to make this breakneck pace tentpole movie... The whole thing buckles under that pressure because there's all of these disjointed or missing scenes. There's moments where we don't even see characters walk from one area, like in the same location, walk from one part of the location to another. That is cut out. And there's so much missing or just done poorly that it's just a hard movie to watch, especially if you like the show. I, I, okay. This is how I would have saved this movie. It's called Book One Water, right? Yes. And he doesn't learn any water bending until they get to the Northern Water Tribe. 
I honestly would have set the entire movie in the Northern Water Tribe. And just told the story of, like, General Zhao's invasion. I, I feel like that's the... Because, look. People don't give Star Wars enough credit for literally cutting out everything and giving the opening scroll and dropping us in the action. It's like, honestly, an opening scroll in Avatar would have saved a lot of the movie. But... We get some narration. What, <laughs> what, what, they also would have only had to focus CGI on, on, on water. They could like leave like earth and fire for the other books. But, I don't know, also maybe like casting better and just, oh, this is... This movie is... um. This movie's not even funny. This movie's no. like not... And, and, and you know that originally the script had jokes in it and they like cut all of those out because they were trying to come up with like cost cutting measures in order to put the film out. Yeah. It, I, it... I've been thinking about why M. Night Shyamalan did this movie because of course he has that connection. His, his kid liked the show and he wanted to take on the job for her, but what would a, what would have gotten somebody at Paramount to give Shyamalan the script or, or whatever, you know, give him the opportunity because obviously everything he made before this tonally was so out of step with what Avatar The Last Airbender was really about. Avatar really is a show intended for a kid audience, but that has some richness and, and some subtext that also can appeal to an older audience. And I really do think it's because Shyamalan has a propensity to work with and get great performances out of young actors obviously we talked about the sixth sense on the show we got Haley Joel Osment getting an Oscar nomination before he turned 10 we have Spencer Treat Clark who shows up in Unbreakable Abigail Breslin and Rory Culkin in Signs and, and in Knock at the Cabin Kristen Cooey is only the latest child to give a really good performance in a Shyamalan movie he is obviously great with young actors and so I understand why maybe they would have gone to him as someone who had experience working in the Hollywood system, who had worked with larger budgets before, who had demonstrated he could make a crowd-pleasing movie. But the style and tone that he works with just didn't make sense with the material, working with this kind of adaptation. And I will always wonder what would have happened if this movie were given to someone who had more experience working with summer blockbusters. And I'm glad that Shyamalan got the opportunity in a way, because so often, you know, we talked about some of the casting problems here, but one of the great things about M. Night Shyamalan is that he is one of the most visible and notable and financially successful non-white directors uh, in Hollywood. The guy has just been consistently making hugely profitable movies that some of them are beloved, some of them are derided and hated, some of them generate controversy, some of them get people talking, but he's one of the most notable American filmmakers of the last 20-some years. And he's doing it in a place where so often director jobs are yanked away from women or from directors from non-white backgrounds, obviously, for one reason or another. And it's so cool to see him have this persistent career in light of that. But it is a shame that there, there are other directors who come to mind who could have handled this particular material better. And I wish that Shyamalan had had a different tentpole chance because I feel like his sensibilities could have matched better somewhere else. So I have a question for you. And this Absolutely. is like my last question. Give me a director who you think would have done great with this material. And give me a director who would have been so ill-suited for this movie, 
but it would have been so balls to the wall funny in a way that this movie fails to be. Well, the answer to the second question is the first thing that came to my mind because I was going to say it as a joke. And now, since you prompted me to do that, I can say Michael Bay, <laughs> who would go on to cast Nicola Peltz in a Transformers movie. <laughs> But watching the Michael Bay version of this movie would also make absolutely no sense because uh, that guy does not work well with children. (laughs) Safe to say. I am not entirely sure of maybe the best option um, for somebody to step in. I I hadn't thought about it in particular. You could think of Steven Spielberg or something, but there's not really... He wouldn't really have had a reason to make this movie. He's just a good director. And his big summer blockbusters weren't necessarily this style of movie. So... I'm not entirely sure. I do think it would have been cool to give somebody, obviously with an Asian background, a swing at this material. Somebody who might have honored the casting and fought for it and been able to direct the martial arts as well. And although they're not obviously Asian, I think the Wachowskis could have been an interesting pick. A lot of their movies do feature martial arts or The Matrix more specifically. Oh, I thought you were going to say Ang Lee. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Ang Lee, like... He has worked with CGI before. The Life of Pi is his movie, of course, and he directed action before. He's worked in a lot Tiger, of different Hidden genres. Dragon. Yeah, Crush Dark yeah. Hidden Dragon. But, I, yeah, again, it's like that working with kids piece and that sort of summer blockbuster feel. I don't know if he would have been the right choice for that, but who knows? Like, maybe Ang Lee's version of this movie is great. <laughs> I Well, it's going to be better than this movie. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, are... even someone like Gore Verbinski who worked in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, <laughs> made Rango, <laughs> has great. made all kinds of, has made horror movies. Gore Verbinski, I think, could have done something, just would have had a little bit of a better sensibility uh, for this than, say, M. Night Shyamalan. But do you have an answer to those questions, Christian? Anyone else that you would want to throw their name into the ring? I don't know. For reasonable director, kind of Alfonso Cuaron came to mind. Only because I'm thinking about the third Harry Potter movie where they're still relatively young. Yeah. I honestly think he could have been able to do a lot with this film, with young actors, making sure that it's set specifically in the action. Um, in terms of balls to the wall director, you know what? F it. Like, give this to Tarantino. Oh my like, gosh. Have... <laughs> Keep him far away from this film. <laughs> far, far away from Avatar The Last Airbender. Please. Oh. Would, would, would not have been a G rating at that point. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I don't know, for I some reason... I can't even I, conceive I, of it. Well, first of all, I think Samuel Jackson would have been like Zhao or I, Iroh Samuel or something. Samuel Jackson as Fire Lord Ozai. Would have, he would have for sure been in this movie. Would, there would have also... I don't know. For some reason, I imagine Samuel Jackson eating a burger and being like, mmm, that is some tasty sky bison and Appa's Very, very Christian. Uh, You know, I'm very curious to see how they handle the Avatar franchise going forward, uh, because unfortunately we are still in this era of, of constant franchising. Cinematic Universe is still unfortunately the name of the game. And so there is going to be a live action Netflix series. There is going to be some original movies set in the world of the show, sort of uh, after the events of the original series. And I'm curious to see just where they take it. I'd like to watch the Legend of Korra show, which is the sequel series at some point. 
I think the world, obviously, that they created with the original series is, is pretty rich and really fun to watch, even as a grown-up. But the movie here, unfortunately, is a massive disappointment. And there's so much more that oh, we could have pretty, done just to, yeah, just to rip it apart. So I have to say, I haven't seen all of his films yet, but probably the worst M. Night Shyamalan movie. What would you say, Christian? I... I'm having trouble thinking of a movie, like a movie that is worse than this movie. I've seen movies that are worse than this, but is is this is this a one star movie for you? I I am I mean I haven't logged it on Letterboxd yet. It's probably going to get that coveted half star rating, but that's partially because of its lack in quality, but also my own anchor at what could have been. I I think there is just enough to like here that. There's a couple moments where you can say, I, I see the vision, even though it totally fell apart and did not work. There are it's some other movies that are just movie, like... But there's just enough. There's just enough to not, to make me say it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. And, and there's just... There are some out there that are horrific. I, <laughs> so. I, I don't know. I, I, feel like the bro- I feel like the fact that this movie was so widespread makes it worse for me. Uh, but I don't know. There's... I don't that's like this Netflix movie swipe. That's probably worse, but I this this is this is one of the worst movies of, of, of all time. So that is the last Airbender folks. It's currently streaming on HBO Max. Do not go watch it unless you're a huge fan of the show and want to see just how bad it got. I would definitely recommend you drink go... one and a half margaritas <laughs> and then watch it. Yeah, pop some popcorn, get some friends over, drink some adult beverages and and have a good time otherwise just watch the original show even if you are a, a, a big old grown-up who can't be troubled with cartoons i think you'll have a really good time with it there's a there's a lot in the show to enjoy uh, outside of just the general cartoon fun so do that instead of watching this movie christian it is now time to turn the page turn over a new leaf february is over this episode's coming out in march and it's time for a brand new Blend of the month from our guy Christian. I got to lead us through Shyamalan in February. It's your turn to lead us in March. So where are we going, Christian? Tell me. Tell the listeners. We gotta know. In honor of March Madness, we're gonna be doing basketball month. Basketball month, baby! Football month. The sequel. Sports movies. They're back. And we're gonna be doing Love and Basketball as the first one. Love Basketball, you can stream it on Hulu and HBO Max. And it um Oh man, okay. Let's let's just let's just leave it at that. It it is directed by Gina Prince Bythewood. I wanna say it's also written by Gina Prince Bythewood. It's about two hours long. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta say, I'm really excited to watch Love and Basketball. Gina Prince Bythewood is someone who I have only come to recently with The Old Guard and The Woman King, which are two action-oriented efforts that she directed very, very well, might I add. So I'm excited to watch an earlier movie of hers, one that's definitely not an action movie, so don't get your hopes up, action fans, but one that I've heard very good things about, so I'm excited to check it out. I'm glad that we get to look at the great sport of basketball here on the show in the month of March. Should be a good time. We, I mean, we won't be covering... Um space jam but that's because we already have previous episode of the show space jam an all-time great basketball film speaking of movies that are (laughs) of a very bad critical reputation but are beloved by some and i am part of the sum although space jam is not a bad movie 
I mean, I think you're right. Space Jam: A New Legacy, on the other hand, as much as I Space love LeBron Jam James, a New Legacy is atrocious. <laughs> it is an abomination. It is so shameful. But oh, it's boy. better than the Last Airbender. It's better than the Last Airbender, though. That's for darn sure. And folks, that is our show. So hopefully you have had a good time coming along with us in this silly, not really a review of The Last Airbender and are excited about basketball month coming up in the month of March. There are a few things that you can do to support the show. Number one, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Helps us reach new listeners and grow on those platforms. Plus, if you leave us a rating or a review where applicable, that really helps us reach new listeners, helps us get more attention from the platforms, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or somewhere else. So please do subscribe. Leave a rating. Leave a review. We love to see it and greatly appreciate it. Five stars make me a happy, happy guy. So please spare us a review if you can. You can also send us an email to cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. Christian, I took it upon myself to clean out that email. I, I had let my own personal email get out of control <laughs> for the last couple of years because I was barely checking it. I was, you know, my work inbox is pretty clean, but my personal one was not. So I was cleaning that out and realized I should clean out our Cinemadrip email as well. So it is ready to roll, folks, and to receive any feedback or input you may have for the show if you have a basketball movie that you want to make sure we cover send it in or if you have thoughts on love and basketball and want to have it featured on the show we'd love to share some listener feedback for the movie here so please do send us your thoughts again that's cinema drip podcast at gmail.com you can also follow myself in the show on twitter christian on instagram and the both of us on letterboxd where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching Christian, any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? Um, I think I'm going to have to make us watch Dragon Ball Evolution this year. I am going to avoid that as best as I can, and I'll use all my best excuses just to make sure it doesn't happen. So, until next time, folks, this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast. <laughs>